Welcome to the GrassCast, the host of your show, Quab and Sean. Game on. Welcome to the GrassCast, a show about games, life, and everything in between. I'm Sean. And I'm Quab. And today on the show, we have Mita Williams. Uh, Mita is uh, a... Wow, I already speeded up. Mita is a librarian at the University of Windsor. Uh, she's also a hack forger. That's how I met her. And an avid gamer. Um, so, Mita, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Oh, yeah. But uh, before we get too deep into it, I, I feel like I'm always the bad guy because uh, there's <laughs> there's some business we have to take care of at the beginning. I, I, I like you interjecting this way. It's yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> okay. But yeah, anyway, we have to uh, so, play the ultimate game. Uh, yeah, I, I do remember the rules. I'll do my best to keep it synced and uh, we'll, it's fine. we'll go from there. Okay. It's fine. That's fine. <laughs> all right. All righty. All righty. One Mississauga, two Mississauga, three Mississauga, paper. paper. Ooh. Okay. All right. All right. One more time. Okay. okay. One Mississauga, two Mississauga, three Mississauga, rock. rock. What are you doing, Sean? Okay. One okay. Mississauga, two Mississauga, three Mississauga, rock. Scissors. Yeah, okay. baby. Okay. There. Anyways. All right. So that's good. Um, that worked out great. Uh, Mita, yeah, sorry. <laughs> that took longer than it usually does. <laughs> so, so who's winning so far? Like, are you keeping it? Um, uh, we haven't updated we it. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get back to it. I think well, I maybe up by like one. And he really dropped the ball on that. I did, on the show. I did. But Sean had like a run since, uh, I did, yeah. s- since we've been doing it remote, like in 2021, uh, Sean has pretty much won every single one. Uh, yeah, it, it's been really hard to keep our voices synced and not be able to not have the visual cues that's what we're doing the mississaugas it's it's our, <laughs> it's our best way to, to so you essentially up. you've lost the tells the visual tells exactly that you're on. exactly quab <laughs> quab swears that I, I i cheat because sometimes I, we get out of sync but i did not swear that you cheat but the evidence will show <laughs> that uh you, you you got better at the game and uh-huh. I, I can't explain why um yeah. yeah anyways uh yeah welcome welcome Mita. um so first uh question we'd like to start off just to break the ice a little bit is um what is like the first game that that you played or if you can't remember at least like that you remember playing or like you know left a meaningful impact on you it doesn't have to be a video game, just, you know, anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, I, I, I was thinking about this uh, and I wanted to, to oh. the first video game I played uh, mm. was probably, actually, I think it was a school game, uh, which was like little ASCII art in, uh, and it was on like, um, oh, what was it? Like a, a, a pet computer. But we actually, my dad loved gadgets. So my first video game that we had in our home was Pong. Yes. Oh, Okay. So we're going, we're going way back. Uh, <laughs> Is that like the Atari or like the Pong uh-huh. thing itself? Like there's like a little computer with just Pong on it. It was just Pong. Uh, mm. he, it was something where you could just attach the computer and it was only Pong. And then we did get an Atari uh, 2600. And then for the longest time, that was the only console that we ever had. Do you have oh. any idea how much your dad paid for a system that played only Pong? I'm just curious. I'm not sure. I mean, it's... It, 
you know when you go to the mall and you see the kiosks and then you can play a whole bunch of games and mm-hmm. it's just like a little and it's really just some small hardware thing that you can just hook up to your tv set mm-hmm. it's I, it's i'm positive it's the same technology but yeah i had i had no con i would have no concept of how how expensive that was <laughs> I'm guessing, yeah, I'm just, yeah, it kind of blows my mind that, you know, they could, like, release a whole console that just played Pong, like, compared to, like, nowadays where you have to, like, grind, like, a, a crazy game and, you know, hope to get, like, two bucks out of it. It's so a really I, different world. So I missed out. So my childhood years, I mean, I have some fond memories of uh, an Atari uh, of Atari yeah. games, but I don't have the same level of fondness as like when people talk about mm. like growing up on Mario or growing up on Zelda. Right. Like I really did miss those golden years of of, of sort of early video games. Right. I will say that w- the game that I, if I look back at my childhood and think of what I really, really loved, mm-hmm. um, my we were really lucky. I grew up uh, when I had like a large backyard, and our neighbor had like an open backyard, and there was like no fences or anything. And we used to have, and we just happened to have a lot of kids in our neighborhood. So we used to play, I used to have very fond memories of like long summer evenings where people were playing, um, we would call it buzz off. It's like hide and go seek. But um, if uh, you could, you could release everybody who had been caught so far. Mm. I don't know whether that's a regional. Anyways, we called it buzz off. I don't know whether there's a regional version of that in Windsor. You could release everyone who had been caught. What do you? What, can you? So what happened was that if you were it and you caught someone, they had to go back to home base. Oh, right? okay. And then, as that person is running around trying to look for other people, somebody can run to the home base and release everyone. Oh. So you never wanted to be it because you never, no one ever yeah. caught anyone. <laughs> that, that seems broken. <laughs> oh, it was so broken. <laughs> It was okay. one of these childhood games where it was like, at the time I realized, I was like, well, you know what? Half the people were really miserable during that game. <laughs> so it's a life simulator. <laughs> well, okay. I guess you could you could adjust that with having more people being it, and then maybe it'll bounce eventually. But that, that yeah, that mm-hmm. sounds vaguely familiar. Sean, did you ever play Hide and Go Seek, like neighborhood Hide and Go Seek? Mm, I, I had to, but yeah, I'm trying to remember like a memorable one, but... Yeah, I'm I'm sure I have, and, and all the variations. Yeah, that definitely like added to the fun, like just regular hide and go seek, where you could like you know do something after you were out, because then otherwise mm-hmm. you're just sitting there bored, and it always added heightened the fun a little bit. But yeah, that's that's cool. I, I haven't heard of Buzz Off, but that sounds that sounds like fun if you were a kid. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I would play that now. Uh, yeah, for sure. If, uh, you know, minus the, the pandemic related. Things. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't know there, how you play tag in a pandemic time. There, there is a professional tag league. I mean, I mean, pre pandemic. And it was mostly like, did we ever talk about this? It was like parkour guys on like a port parkour court. And there's like timers and stuff. And if you can, it, it seems pretty fun. So I think we could have professional uh, hide and go seek within like five years. That, that seems possible. Yeah. um do you remember or i mean of course you remember but um like do you what was the last or most previous game that you've played um i'm trying to catch up um on i i I play i've been right now i play about three games i play a really really terrible clicky app game called uh hogwarts mystery and i hate it but i don't know what the ending is it's so bad the game is so bad they fired the writer when the game wasn't oh wow it was so it's so bad any 
any 10 year old who writes fan fiction, Harry Potter fan fiction, <laughs> could write a better game than this one. But I need to know what the ending is, so I've been playing way too much. Uh, that's um, what kind of game is is that? I, I feel like I've seen it advertised, but yeah, is that, like oh, a point it's, and it's, click adventure, or? it's all it is is yeah, you it's just clicking, uh, waiting, and it's just waiting mm-hmm. for, for each chapter to be released week right. after week after week. But the game that I've been catching up on right now is um, Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, I heard about it. Okay. I've never heard of this. Yeah, it's uh, very, I I have to, and it's, I don't love it. I want to, <laughs> again, but I want to finish it. Um, yeah. It's very, it's very atmospheric. It's really dreamy and it's mm. really melancholy and sad. It's oh, a good yeah. pandemic or a bad pandemic game, depending <laughs> on what you're looking for. <laughs> Okay, what happens in the game? Like, I'm not too, too familiar. So the premise is, so it's very much, I think there's some people who really love it just because it's very much set in Kentucky. And it's this weird future Kentucky where everything is kind of, the electricity is kind of goes on and off and you have to deliver a parcel and it's on route zero and you have to find route zero. And your entire, the premise of the game is to, to make this delivery and you run into all sorts of people along the way. And there's, as I said, there's weird video art. There, it's like there's a lot of like magic realism. Like there's a giant eagle that shows up, and yeah. it's just normal. <laughs> and it's really sad too. Like there's like this sort of underlying themes of of like debt and addiction. <laughs> so I, cho- I have this bad habit of like choosing games that are really sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it sounds like kind of lynchian. Like I don't know if you ever watched Twin Peaks or something. I feel like I might have heard. I think I think that that's a really yeah that same sort of vibe where everything is yeah. normal, but everything is clearly not normal. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I gotta huh, check that one out. Yeah. Um. So, would you then consider yourself a gamer? And like, what do you think about just in general the title of being a gamer and like gaming culture and things like that? Like, what's your opinion about all that? Yeah, I don't like the t- I don't like the title gamer. I think mm. I think like I think it's a marketing scheme or it's like a demographic <laughs> thing. Mm-hmm. I think I think everybody just like how I think everyone in, in with rare exceptions like everyone intrinsically kind of likes music. I think intrinsically mm. everybody kind of likes games mm-hmm. whether it's sports or whether it's bridge or whether it's candy crush or whether it's something really intense like Fortnite or something like that so hmm. i i mean i know what is meant by the word like the mm-hmm. thing gamer but i it just it just suggests non-gamers yeah mm. yeah there's like an in group and an out group like it's yeah it seems like it's yeah separating people rather than bringing them together so right but i feel like i mean i feel like you would be someone who likes games more than the average person so how would you differ do you think like there you shouldn't differentiate that like delineate that kind of group or i don't know is, is it just like a misnomer or well, how do you think you could sort of resolve that yeah i think i think it's hard i i see what i mean i know what you're saying like what mm-hmm. do you how do you describe somebody who's like enthusiastic for games right Right. And, and, you know, I guess it's like somebody who really loves music, like they're a, you know, music lover or music nerd or something like right. that, like just yeah. with games, I think. Um, but I do, I, I think it, it's funny. Like for me, one of the things that I kind of realized, um, especially as I have, a, I've got two kids, I have a husband who doesn't, and, and we play games, but 
I will play any game that they will would, that we can all play together. So in some mm. ways, I don't really love. I love playing games, but the actual game itself doesn't really always matter to me. Oh, okay. As long as people are like happy and having a good time, like I'll right. play Uno. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's funny that you use Uno as the example of like, oh, hey, Uno. Oh, yeah, whatever. I'll take Everyone it. loves Uno. Yeah, yeah. Uno universal. <laughs> uh, I used I, I used to tease my sister. She was like, uh, at one point, she was so obsessed with Uno she, that she thought like, if I die and go to heaven, and if at least they have Uno, I'll be happy. And I'm like, <laughs> that game, you pick that one over everything else. Like, but I don't know. That's Uno? incredible. Uno? That is that is. I've never heard of that. I think she's since like evolved a little bit from her music no. today. But uh, yeah. Okay, we can let's get into let's take an Uno diversion. Uno is is quite amazing. It scales up. Like you can have ten people playing Uno. Uh-huh. Like I've I've been to parties and like ten people are playing and they're all having fun. Um. Yeah. It's 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 a quality so- game. We used to play this crazy version. I don't know if if you've ever heard of this, but like we would do uh, if you had like the plus pick up two cards, pick up four cards, whatever. If the next person played another pick up two, pick up four, Hmm. you'd have to cumulatively pick up up six. So we would get to like pick up the whole deck and it was just insanity. And it was kind of fun at first, but then it just became like. Almost like a Monopoly game where you just flip the board and you're like, okay, I'm done with this. This is crazy. But yeah, that was always a, a weird variation that we, we used to play. Yeah. The house rules of Uno are always interesting. I think that's like a, a personality test. Uh, or maybe <laughs> if I ever have a company in an interview test, what, was your, what were your house rules for Uno? Um, that's, that's <laughs> <how I'm determined. laughs> oh, my God. Um, so how do you think then that like games of kind of influenced your life or had an impact um, on your life? Um, I think there's, I think there's a, there's a couple, there's a couple ways that I think about it. Um, I think that, and, 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 and Sean, you already know this, that I have a, a sort of, um, uh, I, I, one of my sort of personal heroes, I really love the work of Jay McGonigal yeah. and I really oh. love the sort of optimism that she brings to games and this mm-hmm. idea that, um, that playing games together has all these really great qualities. It brings people together. It brings their sort of playful yeah. selves and people are happy and you can, you know, you can be silly and you can, you can test the boundaries of who you are in a kind of safe and goofy place. And it's, mm-hmm. it's something, you know, it's, 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 there's a lot of really like deep meaning behind it. And so I think that part, um, I think that, it's funny when I, when uh, the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. I literally dived into games. Like it was really mm-hmm. funny. So mm-hmm. what I think Same. when yeah. I'm a pretty even keel person, but when, when things kind of like are, are grim, I, I find mm-hmm. myself going and, and looking into games for that sort of stuff. So I think that's, that's been really neat for me. I've played a couple of sort of games for good Um mm-hmm like these sort of alternative reality games and they ended up being mostly like story games. So I think that's, those are the games I, and I ended up being a librarian. So that's where I, I love that sort of commonality of trying to make the world better, telling stories and spending time with friends mm-hmm. or virtual friends or potential virtual friends, that sort of thing. Oh, right. That's, that's cool. I, I might take us on a bit of a divergent, but uh I, I have like clear memories of like being kind of uh, down and university and there was like a smaller college um, library 
and it seems so appealing. I think I saw like a posting for like a job opportunity. I was like looking for a job on the summer and it was like a trainee librarian. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, the job has always seemed appealing to me my entire life, but I'm not actually sure what the day to day is like. Hmm. Um, so I'll just ask, like, do you enjoy being a librarian? Like what? Um, oh, I, I'm, I, I'm, I, I really enjoy, um, the world. I really like library land. I like the people who are in library <laughs> land. I like people who use libraries. And I think um, it's it's a really, uh, each library has like different experiences and stuff. So like, for example, like if you work in a, I work at a, I work at the University of Windsor. So mm. I work in an academic setting and that's, that's really neat. So we have like, you know, thorny issues about scholarly publishing and making sure people get their research um but Mm. i started off in public libraries and i i think the world of public libraries and it's really neat there's um there's a lot of sort of just normal regular day-to-day jobs i don't mean to over glamorize it like it's it's you know it's not a profession that saves like you know it's it's a it's a profession that tries to do good but it doesn't save the world sort of thing um i think it does though like i i would argue that knowledge is an access to knowledge like i we were having a debate with like me and another friend about copyright the other day so i don't know i I get on weird tangents in terms of like the more people who know things and the more people who have access to knowing things that that's good Mm -hmm. oh you're halfway to being a librarian already (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've never got a chance to ask you this but i am kind of interested in like you know as the world kind of changes and moves to be more digital how do you find that that impacts like your your world and your life and things like that yeah i think um i think libraries in general the you know it's funny when i when i said you know the libraries can't save the world i one of the things i always try to there's a phrase that we use is called vocational awe and so the idea is Mm. that libraries do good but we just don't want to get too caught up in 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 a narrative that you know um we're, we're rock stars and superheroes when, when, you know, we work in a library. But I, I do think that in this time, libraries have done a really good job of trying to balance both sort of physical spaces, physical mm-hmm. books and, and digital. Like we could mm-hmm. obviously do a lot better, but I think it, overall we've kind of made that tradition tr- transition really well. Mm-hmm. And I think there's all sorts of different libraries that I think that idea of having a, a physical space I'll just give you an example. There was one time where we were um, we were in Toronto. Our kids were just really tired. They just didn't want to walk around as much in the city as we did. We just wanted mm. to walk around and, and they were just exhausted. And this idea of like, you know, you could just walk into a, a public library and hang out and chill out. They could play games or read a book or something like that. Like that sort of non-commercial space where you can kind of hang out and you could read or you can, you know, do whatever. I mean, uh, some really more and more libraries have game collections too. So this mm. idea that they're a space where you can um, play together is still really amazing. Right. And then the transition for digital, we're still going through that. And mm. in many ways, I think one of the really exciting things about libraries is that they're kind of getting involved in sort of like in publishing itself, like digital publishing, but yeah. not, not, not digital publishing and the stuff that makes any money. Um <laughs> But the stuff that's local and the stuff that Mm. is important to like local history or local poetry, you know, something that's really important, but we're doing it because there's no money in it. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's very interesting. I I definitely, yeah, I I resonated with the the idea of like libraries still being that like public space. I I remember, and like you said, like it's a place for games because I do remember my like early 
grade school memories of like yeah using the the grade school library as like a meeting place to to set up and play magic cards and like yeah have that have that communal like safe space where you know maybe it was just a day you didn't want to go outside and you wanted to just like sit in a quiet place read a book or play with your friends it was it was always a good space for that so I have like fond childhood memories of my library in in that sense so yeah, yeah that's cool yeah, same with me. Uh, I, there was like a period in high school where I would just go to the library for lunch uh, <laughs> and just kind of relax. And yeah. On the way home, go to the public library. Um, yeah, they're just, yeah, because there's a lot of public spaces, but like libraries are specifically quiet public spaces. Like mm-hmm. I think of a park and maybe it's a little too noisy, um, but you can still, I don't know. Yeah, libraries are cool. <laughs> yeah, we're one of the few sort of indoor public spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My my kids were, they all loved, they loved games so much and they still do, but it was funny. They were just like card game, board game monsters when they were very young. The one game I refused to play my with my son because there was no luck involved was chess. And I just have remembered these very <laughs> fond memories of like taking him to like, there was like a chess club meeting and it was just all these old men and it was just awesome. Like they were just like this whole sort of generations of chess in these mm-hmm. chess clubs. And I think it was at the Riverside. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. The Riverside branch. And then, um, and there was a moment where they were, they were really into, like we used to play the Pokemon games, like the, like, you know, you were talking about um, the, the Pokemon card games. Right. Oh, yeah. um, and they, we didn't go to the library. We actually went to one of the local game stores. Mm-hmm. and uh yeah it was it was it was lots of fun to see them compete yeah that's cool yeah that chess is definitely one of those like intergenerational games that we don't have like enough of in society where like an old person can play you know like, uh, just a young up-and-comer and still have a, a great interaction like that that yeah it's, it's, it's very cool um the intergenerational thing is really really cool with chess um i have friends who like run a a chess program and i think it's mostly kids too i don't know how old you're i mean it's probably off with because of uh are are they the ones who involve like i know that the the school systems have like every year they have a chess tournament yeah there's like a chess tournament but i think there's also like chess club that meets at i don't know one of the italian halls um pretty regularly i don't know if they're doing it um recently but yeah, if you want more information, that that might be something when when it gets started up again. Yeah, um, my 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 son uh, competed in a couple of. I think he qualified for oh, one of the. Great. Yeah, like it was. And it, it, again, the people who ran it were they did such a remarkable job. Like it awesome. was, uh, it was really really great. You know, uh-huh. it was it was very much like a. I, I really love tournaments where it's it's all you have is just a room and just everything you just need for that tournament and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but that that. Um, yeah, all these all these school kids playing chess. It was it's it's really quite remarkable. Okay, it's probably the same one. Yeah, it's excellent. I, okay, I don't know if you can actually answer this question. It's it's a bit off topic, but I I, I was talking with a friend and uh, about libraries because I was talking specifically about uh, the public library in our city has some apps with uh, digital like ebook versions and audiobook versions of uh, certain books. Um, and I, yeah, I don't know if you could answer this, but it was like putting like a, there was, you can 
borrow a book and have it for you know the certain period of time and it has to be returned but in a digital sense it was odd to him that it would return like the kind of copyright protections that are built into these systems and i was just wondering because i don't really know i was guessing there's probably a lot of legal issues with the transition to digital uh for a lot of media Hmm. um i don't know if you could speak to that or not I could speak for the next five hours on, on, <laughs> on copyright in ebooks. Yeah, that's why they have to be run in apps. Um, yeah, there's a whole thing about the e- ebook ecosystem, why uh, it's next to impossible to get library books on Kindles. Mm. Um, there are a couple of apps uh, that the Windsor Public Library has. Um, what is it's one is Hoopla and the other one is Cloud Library. Mm. And I think behind the scenes they use some technology, either it's Adobe or something, where yeah, your your book will your access to your book in that app um, does you, it does go away in a, in a in a couple of weeks. You can renew it and that sort of thing. So. Yeah. The rules of that's one of the reasons why we're allowed to have ebooks and then libraries. And then I don't want to get too much, tell you too many sad stories, but like <laughs> publishers pay, co- charge uh, libraries so much for ebooks oh. because they consider each ebook a lost sale in a way that they don't with print books because a print book has some form of limitation. So that's hmm. one of the weird things that you go like, why is this ebook not available? Why is it, why can't I, like, you, there should yeah. be an infinite number of ebooks available. Yeah, yeah because it's like you sorry you can't look at this website this somebody else is looking at this website it doesn't work um but they have to use the they have to continue to pretend that it's a print book mm-hmm. um because uh we want to work with publishers in good faith mm. um and i mean i don't believe i think the libraries help create a reading public, especially a reading public that's, you know, especially when they're young or they're, you aren't able to buy a lot of books. And so I always think that, and we, you know, librarians think that we're just trying to, we're helping keep a, a reading community going. And then, you know, we're not trying to take away from publishers, but we're trying to create a, a help create and, and work with them so that, uh, you know, we have more people buying books over time. Very cool. Um, so I don't know if this will pertain to you or not, maybe it will, but, um, do you, did you have a lot of, did you play a lot of land parties? Did you have a lot of land party experiences? You know, I, I know, sadly, uh, sadly, no, those multiplayer games are not, uh, I'm trying to think what would what were the land parties I guess that you used to play with because I mean I they, they, right. as I said I those were the lost those were the years that I didn't have so yeah I guess I guess that kind of came about during the uh like my my fond memories are like N64 playing GoldenEye with friends like when you could have four people on the same system kind of thing or you know you get your computers together that's also we need to we need to expand this question to not just be yeah. land parties but um <laughs> Do you have like a favorite, just I guess, group gaming moment that you can think of? Maybe that would be a better. Um, I as one of the, I mean, one of the fun things. I mean, one of the challenging things about games um, is that, like, a lot of these, I I loved games more so than any of my friends did. So I didn't mm. grow up with like a gaming community. Like, I never played Dungeons and Dragons because I didn't know anyone who played. Like, I didn't. Yeah. If you don't know people who are into the right. same thing that you're into, you, that world's kind of closed off to you. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, I think the closest thing I would say would be like these alternative reality games where mm-hmm. I would play with with other weirdos on the internet. Um, <laughs> and but that's about it. I think it's it's fun. It's it's amazing to see. Um, as I said, my kids play Fortnite. They play Roblox. They play Minecraft. Like they, oh. everything they play is 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 this amazing sort of communal landscape where everything they can like build and share and all sorts of stuff. So I think it's to only play a solo game would be weird to them. Right. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. I think that the LAN party kind of thing is was like this little window in like the. 90s early 2000s when internet hasn't hit its peak but you could have you know systems either multiplayer systems or everyone's got a a computer that they can just lug over to your friend's house and so you have that multiplayer experience but you're in the same room or you're in adjacent room so you could still have those like human interactions while you're playing and i don't know it it, it had a lot of fond memories from those um from those kind of land parties but it feels like it's a it's a lost uh, relic of the past now sadly but yeah i don't know it's uh we need to we need to figure out a better way to <laughs> we need to revise that question i don't know It'll sometimes different. it hits and we get good answers but it's like i've never had a land party i don't know <laughs> no it's good i i i i like the intergenerational like i just went for a walk with mm-hmm. my friend who's a teacher um and it's 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 rough like with the pandemic and like mm-hmm. the just the way things are different with kids interacting with each other yeah because like right. i remember going to like parties where like all the parents would be like uh having fun and then all the kids would be in one room with like one uh one console and that was fun you you got your turn um and there was the interaction mm-hmm. there there was also the pressure of performing <laughs> um and all that stuff but yeah i don't know with uh every kid kind of maybe talking to one or two other kids um playing like minecraft or something that's that seems to be the case with my nephews i don't know it's it's just different how old are your nephews because i think uh, one of the things that's remarkable to be is now i assume that every 12 year old has their own discord server <laughs> oh, my, okay my nephews are 10 and 7 so i don't think they're at the discord server level but i'll ask they, they yeah. might be that there it's, it's easy to set one up <laughs> there are so many my i i, I mean i'm not i i shouldn't i'm not shouldn't batter out <laughs> but um I, there are a lot of kids that have discord servers wow. her favorite youtube channel had a discord server and it's it's hilarious to me because it's such a great it's like such normally when when she said can I join the server I was like are you kidding me, and <laughs> yeah. then, but like it's the channel itself is mm-hmm. um, the YouTube channel itself was the, the creators uh, would play Roblox games and mm-hmm. I watched them and they're they're young adults and they're completely respectful and I was like okay, oh. their their Discord channel has so much moderation. Wow. It's amazing. They have all these different levels. It is like they've fostered this community of like positivity. Like they encourage people to like, um, if you like drawing, they'll upload drawings and then like they reward people for giving positive feedback. It's, they have a karaoke channel. Um, Shout them out. This this actually sounds good because I don't know about the YouTube channels my nephews watch. I just find them (laughs) insufferable, but (laughs) this one's good. And well, it, it, it's incredible. Like it's inc- they have a karaoke night, uh, and then now, now they're playing Mafia. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Hidden role games. We 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 talked about that previously, but yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, she played Among Us forever because that's what everyone was playing. And then it just became, it literally is now a Discord bot that they all play Mafia on. Wow. And there's a Corona version of it. Where they, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> where oh, I think like you people, like you, yeah, you you hoard toilet paper. It's hilarious. <laughs> uh yeah i love that kind of creativity that's all oh, the the art that's gonna come out of this year man <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be crazy um so um like what kind of games genre games or other things do you, do you typically kind of gravitate towards like what are your favorite types of games to play um i, I you know what i was looking i was like what what i was i was looking at my own uh like steam list and it's it's so clearly i love story games um right. Uh, the I was thinking about some of the games that I would I really you know if I wanted to recommend or loved I loved um, Night in the Woods. I played this game. I think my favorite game that I've played during the pandemic is a game called Elsinore. Oh, I haven't heard of it. And so it's it's based in uh, obvious. It's well maybe not obvious. Uh, Elsinore <laughs> is the name of the castle in Hamlet. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. So it's it's all your um, Ophelia and. Mm. Uh, you wake up and um, you, you know it's and and Hamlet's agitated and you go through the story and before all the play and everything happens, you get murdered and then you wake up and then you start up in the same place again. So it's a time looping game. Yeah, Groundhog's Day. Okay. Cool. Oh, it's so it's it is really playful. It's really yeah. It's it's. I thought I'd beaten the game so many times only to realize i had forgotten one little thing like it was it was both really really frustrating and, and really fun i love so i love story games interesting have you played the stanley parable at all i love stanley parable okay. i haven't played it i played like maybe two seconds but uh people tell me i should um <laughs> so yeah no spoilers but yeah <laughs> i want to spoil it so badly i mean sean have you played the stanley parable? i've i've heard of it i don't know if i've delved into it yet but yeah it's on my list like all right that'll be a future episode we won't spoil it for the people (laughs) (laughs) um so what is it about like the story game that sort of appeals to you like what besides yeah story uh, yeah so what 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 is like what is it about story games that find appealing um i think part of it maybe like when i think about like i don't have that much fond memories of like the atari games Mm -hmm. that are just sort of mechanical and i mean i do that's not I just think people gravitate to the game that they really like and they really enjoy. So I know mm-hmm. some people who really love just like no, like those sort of mechanical puzzlers or mechanical shooters, and they get a lot of joy out of them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know whether it's because I'm not good at them or I just don't like <laughs> them, so I'm not. I, I don't, you know, other other than Tetris, I don't really have fond memories of those types of games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I more, think... More accessible kind of? Yeah. So I think part of it... I don't know. I, I, maybe it's just because I want my games to have like a little bit more, like not, mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted it to be a little bit more meaningful, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, um, or a little bit more, a little more juicy, a little bit more resident, like, like there's more, there's more to it. Mm-hmm. Right. As a kid, did you read like a lot of novels and fiction? Is that, I'm just um, no, yeah, I don't know where that. No, it's a it's a good question. I don't know where it came from. I mean, I read no more than like other mm-hmm. other kids in the seventies. I mean, nothing else to do. <laughs> I did not read that much as a child. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so do you have an all-time favorite game we like to ask like a desert island game so you know pending all like restrictions you have internet somehow you, you, any, anything that you need but you're stuck on a desert island if you need other people to play it somehow you can but what, what's your like if you're stuck oh on if a i could bring other people game? that changes everything I uh yeah, yeah maybe we, i don't know because i i don't want to pigeonhole you to i mean they're I not know. physically there they can I guess while you're playing the game, there's like a digital connection to them. <laughs> right. It's a hologram or something. Like they're yeah. not really there. But, yeah. you know, if you're stuck on a desert island, you got one game to play, you know, presumably for the rest of your life. What, you know, it it kind of feels like right now in the pandemic. Like what is the game That's that you want to play yeah. right now? Yeah. Yeah. Pandemic question. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's a, this is a, this is a great question. Cause like, like, games generally have endings but i guess mm-hmm. there are games like what are games the best games are the ones that you like you like chess right like there are games that you have to you could master over a long period of time right um story games don't really because yeah if you're playing a story game yeah it's gonna end right so yeah um so no answer <laughs> no, it's <laughs> or, funny i mean do, I, do you at least like is there is there a game that that maybe you played through it's ended but you're like oh that was like my favorite game kind of thing something that you think about or oh it would definitely be portal oh yes i do oh man i i love that game i wish i wish they had i wish they made like seven other portal games (laughs) i just think it's like it's like a it's a really lovely yeah it's just as it's it's both uh you know it's a you do there's a little bit of twitchiness like you know you there's mm-hmm. a bit of hand-eye coordination but it's so thinky and mm-hmm. it's just so you have to figure out what's going on and there's just like the briefest amounts of little story bits and it's mm-hmm. also like not too long mm-hmm. and everything builds on it like the things that you know would have been if you would if you let if you landed in like the last levels it would have been inconceivable for you to like figure it out but you it slowly like teaches you how to play the game as you play right. it it's so yeah i i think um yeah i think portal would be pretty amazing mm-hmm. um so is there like an aspect of games like what do you what do you like most about just games in general i think I think one of the things about games is that I like it when so one of the one of the favorite games that we have in our house is a game called Monikers. Yeah, okay. And so Monikers is kind of like celebrity, but you play it in like three different uh stages. So you have a set of cards mm-hmm. and everybody gets like 10 cards or something like that. So you're always dealing with a set amount of characters. And the first time you do it, you can read the clues. The second time, you can make only noises. And the third time, it's all just uh, hand hand gestures and faces and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just so much fun because you have to get... You just end up being more and more ridiculous and silly by mm-hmm. the end of it. Mm-hmm. And I think the the part that I love about games, I really do think is... Like, I just love that social element where people can be silly and relaxed mm-hmm. and creative and they show, uh, you know, and they just show a part of, of themselves that's not, um, yeah, that, that's in that sort of really sort of playful, goofy state. Yeah, the, the walls maybe come down, hopefully. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or the, just this idea that, yeah, you're, um, and it's getting that sort of fine tune of like competitive, not a little bit competitive, but not too competitive. Mm-hmm. 
so that the most important thing is like making like the you know creating good memories i love that like i think mm. as soon as a game isn't fun you should stop playing it mm. yeah creating good memories that's that's a t-shirt <laughs> <laughs> Have you played any of the secret fourth round of monikers or, or know anything oh, about that? Yeah. Oh, I don't know this one. Oh, yeah. Different, so it's like random cards for the, yeah, for what wait, you have what? to do. I, I, I played it, I think, um, like New Year's or something, but it was like there was a deck of cards for the the fourth secret fourth round and I, they maybe, maybe made it more official. But yeah, oh, this, like a... this is different than I was talking about, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's like different, you would just draw cards. So it was Sean, what were you going to say? And maybe that's one um, of the options. The, the fourth round I usually played was either it's, it's like a variation on what you've already done. So it was like, yeah, second round, I think it was one word, third rounds noise. And then fourth rounds, either like you, you, you basically either get behind a couch and you can only move your yeah. head around Yeah. or <laughs> You can do a ghost where you put on a bed sheet and you just have to try and act it out as a ghost. That is um, magnificent. <laughs> yeah. I think, so. I think there's a couple other ones too. I, 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 they might've made it official, but yeah, I remember hearing. Very rarely I've made it to the fourth round of monikers, but it does get fun <laughs> when you can do that. So I would, yeah. I would recommend that next time. <laughs> I will uh, look that up. That is amazing. <laughs> um, is there anything that about games or just people, maybe gamers, Again, people that take games maybe too seriously that that um, that you don't like that you dislike. Um, yeah, I don't know about uh, what do I dislike. Um, I think part of it maybe is this. Um, I think what I, I I guess one of the challenges about games is that uh, if you if you don't come from a, a group of people that love to play games, it's really hard to play games. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and I say that as somebody who like, uh, you know, I remember going to um, a game store and I was playing, I was, I was, was with a friend of mine and we, it was actually really, it was a really wonderful evening. Um, they were, I think we ended up playing dead of winter with some strangers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's funny because I didn't, I didn't know the people who I was playing with and it was not as fun. Like I couldn't read them. I couldn't tell them how serious they were. I couldn't tell them if I was like, if I was being too goofy. Uh, the good <laughs> news is that they couldn't tell that like, actually I was the betrayer and I'm a terrible liar. Oh, so the person I was with knew immediately that I was lying <laughs> <laughs> because the only way I can play a bluffing game is if no one has ever met me before. <laughs> yeah. A great sure. introduction games for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So I think that those social games, it's it's how do you bridge that those worlds? I guess I think that's that's and that's not. Um, I guess that's like a that's not game's fault, but like mm-hmm. you know, uh, like I'm a middle aged woman. Like who wants to play Dungeons and Dragons with a middle aged woman? Yeah. So it's very hard to like. How do you break into that world? I don't yeah. know. This hmm. year, more I mean, like now more than ever, I think everyone is on board with the Dungeons and Dragons track. So I, I think you might be able to find somebody. <laughs> I'm sure I would. I'm sure I can. But again, like that's then it's almost like a, like it's 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 I don't know. It's like meeting meeting new friends when you're old. It's it's yeah, terrifying. <laughs> you know what I will say? Um, uh, the board game group that uh, I don't know. I kind of met through Sean and stuff. That that's been good as an adult meeting new friends. Yeah, um, I, Grant. Yeah, I guess a lot of them are like in their twenties, but it, it it runs the whole, it runs the the age range. So, 
Maybe it's that thing about the intergenerational, like this idea of uh, how do we make more intergenerational connections? Because like, I want to hang out with those Gen Z kids. They're awesome. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, like the random activity group type thing, um, or maybe even Hackforge, that's probably a good place. No, to I'm too I'm too old for that group. That's ages. <laughs> no, you're not. It's in your head. No, no, no. I saw it. It's ages. <laughs> yeah, nobody it wa- nobody wants old people around. I get that. Uh, it, mm. That makes me sad because I'm getting old, and then what? What do I do? Like, yeah. I don't know. We're all. I feel like we're all going to get to that impasse. So we no, need to figure out how to bridge that gap. Eventually. No, no, but no, it's like... not possible. <laughs> I will never get old. No, I, I might have mentioned it on another show, but I was like in a creativity class, and the 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 professor was an older man, uh, maybe in his like sixties, and but he's and maybe this won't help, but he was like. Uh, one of his advice was like, make sure you're friends with somebody who's like 20, 30 years older than you and 20, 30 mm-hmm. years younger than you. And oh, that's, that's cool. How, yeah, yeah. And like, I've just taken that um, to heart afterwards. It's like, keep, it'll keep you young. It'll keep you old. It'll just make <laughs> you think better, a better, wiser person. Um, you know, and I've actually had, and, and it has, it does happen. And I remember years ago, there were some students who organized uh, Humans versus Zombies. Oh, on- and I went up to them and I said, listen, I don't want to creep you out, but I would really, really love to play this game with you. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, sure. More the merrier. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I've got to play it. I had so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, think, I think the kids today are not the 80s um, bullies that we remember from movies, at least. Uh, <laughs> like, I think there's a, hopefully a lot more openness and like mm-hmm. everyone is a little bit more chill. Uh, yeah and that's definitely you know one of the at least nice things about sort of the anonymity of of you know online multiplayer games is you, you that that whole all the gender age barriers kind of disappear you can just kind of be whoever you want and connect and nobody's the wiser right so um that's you know that's nice but yeah yeah you, you still kind of lose that i don't know that in inter that personal thing where you're in a real world setting with each other and Maybe, maybe that's kind of where hopefully, you know, alternate and augmented reality games are sort of heading towards where you can still have that digital experience, but you're in a, the same kind of physical space together. I don't know if that's, I'm hoping yeah. that's kind of where it goes, but. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting idea. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. I am not big on, on uh, VR games. A, oh, augmented no. reality, yes. Virtual mm-hmm. reality, I get, I get, I get really Cautious. sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's definitely a barrier to entry. I've noticed, and yeah, it's it's yeah. unfortunate because I've had a lot of fun with it. And but, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever kind of take off to scale because yeah, of maybe that. If, maybe if the technology gets better, true, yeah. some large upgrades, but yeah. mm-hmm. and definitely for for storytelling, like it's too bad because oh, you know yeah. you, you want an immersive storytelling experience. Like I just finished playing uh the half-life alex in, in vr and oh man that is that is an experience let me tell you so um, i mean i would love to try it and maybe maybe it'll happen again you remember google yeah. google cardboard yeah yeah i had one and this was years ago and I, there was one video that i really loved where it was it was very simple like you you, you float up uh in new york city and you float up to the top of a of a skyscraper you see some weird figures dancing around and then you float back down and then you float down in such a way but you you can still literally you get that sort of visceral feeling like it tricks your body and your brain mm-hmm. and um 
it's funny the box that I got the Google cardboard in my daughter was really small and she cut holes in it and she turned it into her own Google cardboard and then I put a picture of that on Twitter because I thought that was so adorable and it got picked up by CBC and they said do you mind if we're doing a story on VR addiction can we talk to you about your daughter <laughs> oh, and we have this video of like, <laughs> like it's just like i was like oh dear i've already addicted my daughter <laughs> <laughs> oh hopefully my God, this reporter wasn't too judgmental <laughs> no she she was just lit i think she was just looking for any local coverage <laughs> to justify the story about vr addiction <laughs> yeah yeah oh they uh there, there's a reach. They, they need to fill the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so my, my daughter was adorable bee filler. So, uh. and they didn't say me to me to Williams. Terrible mother. <laughs> oh, okay. Um. Yeah. Actually, we have we have an, an extra question that we've kind of been sneaking into uh, uh, people on the show who are, who are parents and have have kids. And I'm kind of interested to know like what your experiences are. Um. Sort of like introducing games to your kids and and like what what your methodology has been in that sense and and how that experience has been oh you know what from like i when i was younger i couldn't get enough games and i don't know whether it's Mm. genetic because that same thing (laughs) happened with my kids like they would wake up Mm. first thing in the morning and we would play card games and board games and i i really i'm a huge advocate of playing games with kids Mm -hmm. like it's better Mm. you know it's it's you know it was funny it was by by playing Pokemon, my kids had amazing math skills. Like they blew away people like wow. with their addition skills. <laughs> I mean, they're playing grown adults, right? They're just like, cause it, and, and their reading skills, but it, not just that, it's just this, you know, you're spending time. They love it. Mm-hmm. Um, it can get kind of tedious, but if you choose right, like, like some good games, like I think um, there's some very simple cooperative games that uh, was like hoot hoot owl like you don't want to play Candyland. Candyland is sad <laughs> um, but if you play sort of these other games slightly just small variations of those games things are easier mm. and their kids are incredibly like it's just really fun to play with them because they'll just make up their own rules like we played uh kids of Catan oh. uh with my son and daughter my daughter just said like listen my the goal of the game for her her winning condition was collecting all the goats it didn't matter what the rules of the game was like for her it was just i'm going these goats are adorable i'm gonna collect them all (laughs) um yeah so being open to that sense of play Mm. um yeah so i i i I think that it's a really nice way of spending time with kids again i'm not really competitive i'm one of these parents who will happily throw a game if that makes (laughs) my kid happy Mm. um and as soon as the game is no fun, everybody can walk away. So mm-hmm. I'm a big softie that way. <laughs> um, what, what, like, what kind of games do you find uh, that you, your kids are sort of gravitating towards? I heard you mentioned Roblox a few times. I'm hoping to talk to my nephew, get him on the show at some point, because I know he's a little obsessed with that game. But what is it about Roblox or, or what other games do you, do you find them sort of uh, moving towards these days? So I think... Um, you know how people have their own, like they'll find the game that they want to play. And I like playing a whole bunch of different games. And it's funny because like my kids, they've, my, my son loves just playing uh, Fortnite. And he mm-hmm. before he had some other games that he would play. And he just plays the one game and he plays it a lot until he gets bored. And, like, But he doesn't get, you know, it, it's 
it was whatever gives him comfort and he gets better at that game. Mm-hmm. So I think um, I don't, it's not so much that I think that's the other thing that's really when you, when you're thoughtful about what game um, you either give a kid or allow them to try, or they pick up is just all of those good feelings of getting better at something and becoming good at something mm-hmm. um, is really important. And, um, and so, yeah, I think, Right now they're, they're kind of, you know, ones in, you know, ones in grade 10, ones in grade seven. So they're, they're, they're doing their own thing. So I don't really always know what they're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they were younger, yeah, we just played a lot of card games, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of board games. And, we, you know, sometimes it's just like, we're trying to get into like a family card, card game night. Sometimes we're just, everyone is really tired and we just like play a game of Yahtzee. It's, it's nothing, <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing too serious. Keeping it, keeping it um, casual. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that was everything. But do you feel like uh, is there anything that we didn't really touch on? Any like topics you were interested in kind of talking about before before we finish? Um. I know that uh, one of the things I would I would I haven't really thought about it, but one of the things I'd like personally like to explore is like how mm-hmm. to make better educational games. Yeah. Because I think a lot of sometimes uh, it, that problem of gamification, like it's like people mm-hmm. need to learn. So we'll just add a leaderboard or some a timer and like they take all the worst <laughs> parts of a game yeah, and they right. add to that. So one of the things that I would love to do is is to kind of explore. And actually, I've not designed many games or mm-hmm. any games. So that's mm-hmm. something I'd love to do. And I'd probably like to do it in a sort of educational context just because um yeah, I think it kind of fits with with what I'm trying to do at the library and, and right. working in education. Do you have like a favorite educational game experience? Like, I'm I'm curious. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. When I so again, I'm a uh, I was born in the '70s, so the biggest game board game rate uh, rage that happened um, was Trivial Pursuit. When Trivial Pursuit uh, was a big thing. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I'm not a big trivia fiend now, but mm-hmm. um, when I was younger, I made all these. Um, every time we had to do like a school project, I would always make like a trivia game. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. a lot of yeah. disparate facts. <laughs> um, yeah, I always kind of when I think about like educational games or things like that. Um, mentioned uh, Jane McGonagall, who I've kind of yeah. read her stuff and everything, and I, I always think of uh, the quote she has of like kind of. You, you, you hit them sideways so you, you you like you give them an educational game with action without actually like like um flat out saying like this is an educational game you kind of just like hide it in the background a little bit like yeah. i think like you're saying like all the storytelling games if you make like a nice rich immersive storytelling game perhaps in like a historical context and you kind of sneak in some information like to have them learn as they go without flat out telling them this is an educational game i think that's really the best way to kind of teach someone something you know you you, you don't want to i think i think it was easier maybe back in the day when the games were a little bit limited and um you know you didn't have a lot of options so you just okay this game i'm stuck uh on yeah. the computer or whatever and <laughs> so i have to play this typing game so i'm just gonna play it so it's a little easier back then but now that you have such a wide library of games you kind of have to sneak in the education factor i think a little bit which is hard but i think 
I think really that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I think it's it it is the sideways thing. I think the the best way to like the best learning games are actually designing your own learning game. Mm. Because it's it, when it's when you're designing it. I mean, when you think about uh certain things like mm. biology or physics, like they're all they're all mechanical systems and like they fit really well into a game. So right. by making the game um making the game trying to like okay how do i make a a, a bridge destroying game or a bridge making game mm-hmm. that's how you're learning about how to make bridges i yeah i uh yeah that's really cool like i've I've dabbled a little bit in making games and my, my nephews were also into roadblocks for like a second um and we downloaded like the the sdk like so there's like an app where you can make mm. levels and your own that's the interesting thing about roadblocks i'd say is like you can make games within the game um mm-hmm. so we didn't we kind of fell off but at least like we made a little level that they could run around in and that was really uh, a cool educational thing but games where you can like uh yeah hit them sideways with like education and put it on top seems uh really interesting i I, I think it's challenging though. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or or at least like if you just want to like hit them with knowledge like straight up and not hide it, I think it has to be sort of like in a trip awesome AAA game, but there's a mini game where you have to get a in order to get a cool thing, you got to do this like little educational game on the side. I think that's another way to kind of trick kids into learning things when they I don't, don't want to. But again, that's a hard it's not something easy to to pull I, off. I, so I think it has to kind of be background. Like I, I, mm-hmm. this has kind of been a passion of mine that fell off like years ago. Like I thought I would be making maybe educational um, content and games specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think you could do it in the background. Cause I'm trying to think like in different story games or games that you're really immersed in, like how much knowledge do you have about the half-life universe, Sean? Like, right. Yeah. The history of it, like <laughs> uh, compared to like, I don't know, the history of Canada. Like, uh, <laughs> I know more about the Mushroom Kingdom than I probably do about, <laughs> um, yeah, right. the, the history of like Mexico, like not too far away. So, mm-hmm. I, I think one of my favorite little history mini games. Have you ever played Timeline? I think, yeah. is that like the bunch of cards? Yeah, mm-hmm. just a bunch yeah, of cards. I, I got that game. Yeah, I played it's- it once. <laughs> it's a really it's um sometimes when I would have to like help out in a classroom or whatever I would like that would be the game that I would use and it's 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 fun because they have like inventions and historical right. things or mm-hmm. time uh you know when was Robin Hood written things like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and then you don't realize how you don't understand like for me it's always such a great game to realize where your gaps in knowledge are like I yeah. thought I knew when you know the the kettle was invented but i was clearly wrong um so like you can do i think this idea of 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 small mini games but i do think like that atmosphere of um of of a game being a simulation or or just Mm -hmm. that work of of making something but again, I think sometimes it's the game designer that does all that great research, right? Like they're the ones who uh, who do the you know the the making sure that things are whatever historically accurate in that setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think also this is another good place where like the alternate reality games come in because I know when Pokemon Go came out, there was that whole controversy of uh, some kids were found in like. A holocaust museum trying to catch pokemon and, and people were outraged like how could you be here playing a game but it's like well 
they might not have been there otherwise, right? And at least if they're there, they're, you know, in the background kind of acquiring this knowledge while they're playing. And so it's still, I think, a, a greater good thing than it is a bad thing, right? So I think alternate reality games is definitely like an avenue for playing games in a certain setting and you're kind of just like taking in that information subconsciously almost and um, yeah, overlaying I, I, a game over top. Yeah, I, was this in Reality is Broken? Where I, or maybe it was a different article where they're talking about, um, I think it was Pokemon Go, and actually it wouldn't be Reality is Broken, I think that right. was after that. But uh, maybe it was Jane McGonagall talking about like uh, cemeteries mm-hmm. um, and like just having more people use these spaces. Like there's these beautiful right. parks, not even like to be disrespectful, but like there's these places where. I even for myself, there's um, near the University of Windsor, there's the cemetery by uh, the Ambassador Bridge, like across from some campuses. And I didn't really notice it for going to school there for multiple years. And then I forget I was waiting for a bus and missed it and then was just walking through the cemetery. And there's like graves from like hundreds, like 100 years ago. And I was like, I don't know, it was like a nice little history lesson. Hmm. yeah, I think that was uh, Jane Jane's uh, game of like it was like it was like a it was a Texas Hold'em game except right. like you had to use the figures on the gravestones to make uh, make hand. yeah. And I I remember I remember there was some controversy about it, but I, I I think I think I read the same article. But she had asked like people who would run like run cemeteries yeah. about whether they thought it was appropriate to play games, and they were like, yes, we need people to visit more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's what I'm really interested in are sort of location specific games. Right. Um, have you ever heard of like the Jejun Institute? Oh, that sounds cool. <laughs> oh, it's ve- it's something we, well, I missed it. We all missed it. It was uh, a game, it, ve- it was set in San Francisco in like 2010. Mm-hmm. And like so the idea is that you would be walking down the street and you would see taped on a pole um, this sort of Jejun Institute, learn to talk to dolphins follow here's at this address okay. and they had all these really strange things and if, if you went to the address there was this wonderful um ornate uh room that you could travel to up through this very like creepy elevator and there would be this sort of indoctrination video and they would say welcome to the jejun institute and then they would they gave you this sort of set of clues and it was a game that was physically set in the san in san francisco and then they even had like human actors involved. Like it was, it was almost a sort of live theater event mm-hmm. and they, they stopped it. There's a documentary called the Institute that kind of it explains a little bit behind it. And then actually this was like last year on AMC. Uh, uh, Jason Siegel, who that actor, yeah. he made, he was so inspired by that. He made like a small TV series called like uh, dispatches from elsewhere, except it was like based in Philadelphia. And it was this idea, like you're trapped in this, like what happens if that game happened in Philadelphia? And so I really love this idea of like, if we have devices with GPSs and that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. um, we could have some really remarkable local games. And that's something I'd love to do. I think more than like they've they've done some stuff with like ghost walks. Like when you're here, this will tell you this part of the story, which I think is still amazing. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the nice things about these sort of location based games is that one of the challenges of like regular like alternative reality games is that they were always based on puzzles. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so once once the once people cracked a puzzle, you can't do it again. But when a game was like physically, like if it was physically located or if there was a clue or if there was something, you could actually bring other people and like sit back and watch them have that adventure. Mm-hmm. So it had like more, it's, it's, it's something I would love to do in Windsor. I think that would be really, really fun. Yeah. Yeah, that would, that would be fun experiment to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would love to do something like that, but I feel like I always got 10 things on the go and I can never have time to do. I mean, Sean, I, I still want to do, yeah. I'm gonna keep keeping this podcast going. It's been uh, a few weeks here. It's great. This is this is my game, yeah. Um, but I still, I know I do want to do that um, that uh, Graveyard Texas Hold'em game. One, one Halloween, I'm going to pull that off and get a group together and go to cemetery and play Graveyard Texas Hold'em and it'll be great. And I'll invite you, Mita. Awesome. I'm gonna be, I'll, I'll be terrible. Like, why do we have to do it Halloween? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I, that's the best time to do it. I think I'm bad, man. Um, <laughs> not going. <laughs> I wasn't invited, and that's all okay. right. I'll do it a day before Halloween. Mm, mm. Great pumpkin day. That's perfect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I think that was very well played. Yeah, an extremely well played episode. Well played. <laughs>